Emotional Resilience, featuring Michelle E. Dickinson. And this is Alternative Health Tools, where together we discover alternative healthcare tools and also explore integrative healing philosophies for both individuals and practitioners. I'm Lisa Victoria, your co-host from the UK, and today I'm joined by the wonderful Michelle E. Dickinson, a well-being strategist working with organizations and individuals. And we're talking about a really hot topic today, emotional resilience. We're going to be talking about how people um, can uh, cope with um, life in general, strategies for this, and, and how to take that pressure off or just recenter yourself and then indeed how we can look after others as well. So even if we feel like our own mental well-being is good and we're quite resilient, it might be that there's somebody next to us or somebody close to us who's who's struggling, who doesn't want to put their hand up. What an amazing topic to be talking about with Michelle today, who's an expert in this field. We'll get into so much more detail for you in a bit. But would you like to introduce yourself, Michelle? Sure. And thank you so much for reaching out and for inviting me, Lisa. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, it's a pleasure. Yeah. So I come to you from New Jersey in the United States. I am a well-being strategist, as you mentioned. I get to work with organizations to help recenter their people. We have um, a lot of people struggling in silence now because of this pandemic. And the reason I do this work is because I grew up with a mother who had bipolar disorder. And I know what it's like to love and care for someone who is struggling with a mental health challenge. I then went on to have a great career in uh, the pharmaceutical industry. I um, was invited to give a TED Talk and gave a TED Talk about that experience with my mom. Um, and that led me to wanting to write my memoir, which led me to uh, leaving the industry altogether to help people recenter themselves um, in the workplace because it, it's an area that I'm I'm very familiar with and I have learned a lot throughout my journey caring for my mother but then also caring for myself during my own depression. So that's a little bit about me. Wow, thank you for sharing, and uh, it's amazing how you've kind of tr transformed from from the corporate world into now helping people in the corporate world, and that's something very close to my heart as well. When I used to work in corporate, you know, there's a lot of people who are afraid to put their hand up because I think there's a bit of a taboo, you know, it's a bit of a taboo subject still, isn't it, with mental health in the workplace? Absolutely, and that's really what I'm out to do is create more compassionate environments because we do have a stigma that prevents people, especially in the workplace, from even acknowledging that they're struggling because they don't want to be perceived as being weak or incapable or, um, you know, just made to not feel um, accepted for who they are. So that was really the whole passion behind my company, Trifecta, was, well, I want to create more compassionate workplaces. But then when the pandemic hit, what was really needed was, okay, let's preserve our well-being and, and help people be centered in a, in a circumstance that they feel like they have no control right? The pandemic pretty much changed everything and how, how we lived our lives. So, so yeah, so uh, it started out as that. And, and through the work I get to do in, in the resilience space, I actually am helping to create cultures of compassion because I'm teaching people just how to be good human beings again and how to care and how to reach out and how to communicate and trust. And, and those are important. It's extremely important, isn't it? And, you know, talking to people in kind of my world, Often we think about care as caring for others and we put self-care as a real low priority. And it's both, isn't it? It is. It's a two-way street. It's caring for yourself and also caring for others. And 
it's wonderful that you're creating those compassionate environments. I love that. Yeah, you know, when I was a little girl and I sort of took on this responsibility of caring for my mom, I mean, it wasn't like I had a choice. It was like, this is what needed to be done. You know, I didn't know better and I would deplete myself caring for her. And and I think that that's what happens with people who have a loved one that struggles is they just become depleted coming from a good place of wanting to help, but then they're of no value to themselves or to their person that they love. So I really do try to hit home. We have to put that oxygen mask on ourselves and we have to nourish ourselves. It's so important. Often when we're caring for others, we sometimes deplete our own levels. And I think, especially if there's empaths out there, we can give, give, give. Mm -hmm. And actually we need to be able to receive as well. And this was something I was talking to a, a patient about the other day. It's really important to ask for help and say, it's okay to ask for help. You know, we don't have to be the headstrong ones. We can be the heart strong ones and that care uh, and reach out for that care or give that care if it's needed. So true. It's, It's so true. And a lot of us too, I think are during this pandemic, we're diminishing how we're feeling because we look around us and we say, well, everybody's in the same boat. Everybody's dealing with this pandemic. Who am I to complain? And I'm the first person to raise my hand and say, listen, it's a pandemic. We're all experiencing it but we're all experiencing it in our own unique ways based on our past life experience, our past traumas. And your experience is very unique to you. So don't diminish it and don't compare yourself to how you're doing versus how someone appears to be doing, you know? So it's real important to just tune into yourself and know if you need support and have no shame in that. What a great first tip for our readers to tune into themselves. That's really important. And often, I guess when people are busy, they're not perhaps tuning in. It's true. On, on a deep enough level to connect because we're so busy doing, we're not connecting with the being state. Yeah. Oh, it's true. I mean, I think about in the morning when you wake up and you do that physical body scan, you know, and you're just like, oh, well, maybe I maybe I pulled something when I was at the gym. You're, you're really present to your physical ailments, but oftentimes we just, we just ignore the emotional um, struggles we might be dealing with in our heads and we just plow forward. And wouldn't it be great if we just took a moment, took a step back and said, how am I doing today? Mm, Not feeling so good. Really, really bothered by something. And instead of ignoring it, we pick up the phone and we call someone we trust. And we we nip it in the bud, basically. We don't allow it to escalate. We don't allow it to get worse. We don't ruminate over it. I think that's I think that's our great next tip, isn't it? It's important. And and picking up that phone to someone we trust. I often say to people, because they say, oh, you know, I don't want to bother the other person or, you know, I don't want to, you know, I know they're really busy. And I say, well, what if I rang you? Or what if somebody else rang you asking for help? Well, of course I'd help them. That's normally the response. And I say, well, why deny someone the pleasure of being able to help you if you have pleasure of being able to help somebody else? And then it's almost like a light bulb moment. Ah, okay. So they get something out of it too. And and we do as human beings, don't we? Naturally, we want to help, I think. Yeah, I had a a mentor once say to me, don't withhold the opportunity for someone to be a contribution to your life. And when you, and when you don't reach out, that's what you're doing. You're withholding an opportunity for someone to, who loves you to support you. I love that. That's really, really powerful, isn't Mm -hmm. it? Yeah. And oh gosh, yeah, there's so much going through my head. But I know we talked off air about um, the global workforce experience of decline in mental health. And I know there was a Harvard Business Review you you referred to. Would you like to just talk a little bit more about that? Because I think that might put it into context for our listeners. Well, to get the magnitude of the emotional impact this pandemic has had on us from, you know, the loss of life, the loss of routine, the loss of 
relationships, the loss of financial. We've all had so much loss and it's all affecting us in different ways. There was a Harvard study done that said 42% of the global workforce has experienced a decline in their mental health. And if you look at that number, it is more common than not people are experiencing something they may never have experienced before. So if that many people are struggling, I think it's time that we talk about it. And I think it's time that we have no shame around reaching out for support. I, th- I think that's really huge. 42% is a staggering percentage and it's not okay, is it really? Yeah. And I think if you're kind of looking around your workforce, whether you you feel okay, there's going to be people around you who aren't okay. And they may be putting on that brave face and looking okay, because 42%, there's going to be people around mm-hmm. you who are struggling. And it, like we said earlier, it's okay to reach out And I think, you know, a really nice tip you mentioned off air was to kind of look out for one another. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I loved when you said that. And and do you kind of teach that as part of your program? I do. I do. You know, we live in a world where social media reflects a curated reality of life. It's not always absolute truth, right? So we make the assumption that the people in our lives are okay. When in reality, they could just be showing you the best face that they can. And it's not the truth. So I always say, don't assume the people that are strong or are perceived as strong are okay. Check in on them. Don't don't assume someone else is going to check on them. Don't step over a conversation with someone where you see their behavior is a little bit different than, the, than you know them to be. We are in this together. And the more that you do ask how people are doing, they may not take you up on it, but you're planting seeds that one day, if they're struggling, they're going to know that they can reach out to you and talk to you. So yeah, I say it all the time. After checking in on yourself, we have to look around and check in on those that we care about. Mm, amazing. And it's it's really simple, isn't it? Look after yourself and look after others. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and and stop the, stop the busyness yeah. that we've all got involved in. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So what what do people have control over? Because if there's any of our listeners out there who are thinking, well, that sounds like me or that sounds like somebody I know, how can I help myself or how can I help others around me? So I'm in my corporate world or in my organization and it's busy. What, what do they have control over? I think um, it's very easy that if you're listening to the, the news or social media, it's very easy to find yourself um, riddled with fear feeling very anxious. We have control over what we feed our mind. And I think people need to remember that you have control to turn off the faucet of information that's coming at you and protect your peace of mind. So I say that because, you know, you could do a digital detox. You could step away from social media. You can make sure that you're consuming a reliable source of news for a limited amount of time, and then you're turning it off. You can have a routine where you meditate and clear your mind. These are all things that can help you keep a a peaceful mindset so that you're not so anxious or uh, worried. And and that's that's the problem. You know, if we're at the effects of life, if we just allow ourselves to be that plastic bag that's blowing in the wind. Yeah. What a great analogy, a plastic bag blowing in the wind. It's just all over the place, isn't it? And we absolutely have control or an element of control in terms of what you're talking about, the social media, the, you know, the news that we're, we're watching, the, the, the ability to, 
switch the mind off by meditating. They're all really powerful things that we can take back control of. And also be present to what's good. Our energy goes where our focus is. So we have to remember that energy goes where our attention flows. So if we're focusing on everything that we're missing in our lives, if we're if we're acutely focused on that, we don't have time to look at what we have that is good. So I always say, start your day with an attitude of gratitude. Trade mm-hmm. your expectation for appreciation. What are three things that are good in your life? What are the things that you are grateful for? Because that's going to set you off in a completely different mindset than dwelling on something um, like loss that you you can't alter. You know, it is what it is. That's wonderful. So gratitude first thing in the morning. Yeah. Absolutely. And it doesn't it doesn't have to take long, does it? It could no. be just could just be right. Scribble three things down on a piece of paper that you're you're appreciating in your life right now. And that could be, you know, a friend or a family member or the fact that you've got a roof over your head or there's running hot water and you know, we often take these things for granted, don't we? And it's not until something's not working like the boiler's broken and we suddenly don't have hot water that we think, Oh my gosh, you know, I was really reliant on turning the tap on and that being hot water to take my shower this morning and mm-hmm. it could just be the simple things that we start appreciating yeah that raise our energy levels and our like you say where our energy flows you know yeah that's that's where it goes right it's so What's... true it could be the softness of your pillow under your head when you open your eyes in the morning it's something so basic that we just that we we love but we don't appreciate I mean, and that's a good feeling thought right there. And so if you have more good feeling thoughts than bad feeling thoughts, you're going to have a better day. Yeah. And every day we wake up, we get another opportunity at life. So that's something to be hugely grateful for as well, isn't it? Because my coach often says to me is, you know, a lot of people didn't get to wake up this morning and you did. So you've achieved your biggest goal of the day. And I think that's so wonderful because when we're in this busy state of particularly if you know if we've got a corporate job or we're working for big organizations we have our goals list or our to-do list and you know just waking up in in the morning you know we've achieved our biggest goal for the day so anything else is a bonus right so true yeah that's a beautiful Mm. way to look at it wow so gratitude attitude and then the other thing you mentioned off air was sleep and I, i know that's kind of important in your program so Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit more about sleep? Absolutely. Sleep is really important. We underestimate the power of sleep. Sleep hygiene, I think people need to just be more mindful about what does that look like for you? Are you getting enough sleep? The first thing that tends to impact our balance and our emotional well-being is fatigue if we don't get enough sleep. So I'm a big advocate for what is your sleep hygiene? Um, Do you have a great sleep environment, one that is distraction-free, technology-free, soothing, that you really enjoy being in? And do you have a a relaxation period where you plane down at night and get ready for a restful sleep? These are all so important if we want to, you know, preserve our energy and, and get that rest that we need. What wonderful. And it's a simple thing as well, isn't it, to consider and having that pre bedtime routine and a nice environment to sleep in and no screen times. And they're really quite easy wins, aren't they? But they can have such a huge impact on our emotional resilience the next day. Absolutely. You're stronger. You feel rested. You feel recovered. And if you think about an athlete that like runs a race, that person doesn't come back immediately and do another race. They have to rest and recharge. And the best way to do that is to make sure that you're shutting down your mind, relaxing your body, and and, and 
you know, taking in that recovery. And what I'm hearing from you there, it's more about quality rather than just quantity because people say, oh, I've slept for eight hours, but actually they were really busy before they went to bed and they've had lots of crazy dreams and they say, well, I had eight hours sleep, but actually they don't wake up feeling refreshed. And it's that quality, isn't it, of being able to get into that rest state. And, you know, it's interesting because when I teach, you're absolutely right, Lisa, when I teach meditation, um, it's not always easy for people to get the hang of it. So what I recommend for people who are just trying to become familiar with the idea of meditation, as I say, do a nighttime meditation, put your put put on some restful um, bedtime meditation and listen to it. And that's going to help them go to sleep. And it's also going to get them familiar with how it feels to be truly relaxed before you drift off to sleep. And it gets them curious a little bit about meditation and well, what could this do for me outside of you know helping me sleep? Amazing, it's so simple. It and, and everybody can start somewhere. I know the days, I remember the days when I never meditated. I didn't even know what meditation was. I had a preconceived idea and it was completely untrue and unfounded um, thoughts and beliefs. And I love my meditation now. Yeah. I really enjoy it. So it's possible. It's possible to get into it, even if you're not into it. And it's just, it's it's like learning a new skill again, isn't it? Because yeah. when I first started it, I remember my mind being really busy and not being able to relax properly. And actually now I just love it and I embrace yeah. it. Yeah. And I try in my workshops to just give people a taste of meditation. So for example, I will pull up on YouTube, Deepak Chopra has a three-minute meditation, literally a three-minute meditation. You don't even close your eyes. You just follow his guidance for three minutes because I want them to experience the sense of relaxation as little as three minutes and how that can affect you. Um, So I encourage people who might be listening, if they are like, no, you know, I can't meditate. I tried. Just try that again for three minutes. Just try it on. See how it feels. And you might have a different relationship to it because it's it's not so overwhelming to think I have to sit quiet and ha- not have a thought for 20 minutes. Like just try three yes. minutes, you know, and it's free. <laughs> and it's Deepak Chopra. Oh, it is. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. How wonderful. Yeah. I know you mentioned you had a mental health employee resource group. What were the types of things that were coming up in there that we could maybe share with our listeners that think, oh, yeah, you know, I hadn't thought about that as, as being part of mental you know, emotional resilience and mental health. The reality is so many of us are either struggling with some type of imbalance in our well-being or we're caring for someone who may be struggling. So I always recommend to my leaders of organizations, the most powerful thing you have are your people. Now with this pandemic, if 42% of your employees are struggling, why not bring them together to support one another? And that's really what the power of community is. And so I say leverage your people because if they come together, they'll support one another and they'll share with one another what worked and help each other out and also have a safe place to just be who they are amongst peers who understand them. So I'm a big advocate of employee resource groups and I I helped build the fastest growing and largest global employee resource group for mental health when I was at my former 50, Fortune 50 company. And it was incredible to see the level of support um, that, that everyone was receiving from just being a part of that community. So I highly recommend create an ERG, create a community of acceptance for your employees Build the structure and they will come. People will come. What an amazing tip to just take it to a whole new level. We've just gone through a complete organization now rather than people, you know, listening to this podcast as they're going about their day thinking about me or their friend or their loved one. We're now thinking about groups of people 
in our in our wider circles which is phenomenal wow i feel like it's just expanded <laughs> yeah it's important yeah. i mean sense of community can really help people and i think we underestimate that people don't want to feel alone and if mm. they can see in their own colleague hope because that's the other thing someone who's navigated depression and has come out the other side i want to talk to them how they do it how they do it and you give me hope like i'm struggling right now but you know with the right care for me i could come out the other side like you the power of that is really profound and i think that's the power of the stories isn't it because everybody's got a story inside them yes. and like you say if you share your story of what you've been through and how you've come through it it gives that other person hope doesn't it and people I think sometimes think, oh, I can't share my story because I've got to be perceived to be professional right. or, you know, I've got to put that brave face on. And actually, it's the power of the story that connects us as human beings, isn't it? And it's not about, you know, what the work that we do, we love sharing our stories because we're we're quite open with that. Perhaps if you're not as, as you know, comfortable with sharing your story, it's about thinking about what skills you've got and you've collected along your journey and how you can translate them into helping somebody else. Absolutely. When we go first and tell our stories, it gives other people permission to acknowledge what they're struggling with mm -hmm. and not feel so isolated in that struggle. Because when you're going through it, you, you know this, when you're going through this, you feel like you're the only person, you're like an alien. You're the only person who's ever experienced this. And that is the worst feeling to have uh, versus being able to talk to someone and say, oh, you get it. You get it. I'm not alone. It, it's just so powerful that, yeah, the, the power of storytelling can really bring people together and have people feel less isolated. Very wise words, Michelle. And I love what you said there about giving people permission. Yeah. Sometimes they can't give themselves permission to put their hands up. And actually by somebody going first, like you say, it gives them permission to say, I felt like that too. Yeah. And I'm not alone. And that's what we're talking about today is you're not alone. You know, 42% of the workforce. Yeah. You're definitely not alone if you're feeling this. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Just find someone who's walked the journey before you and learn from them. Wow. So <laughs> where do we go next? Um, I guess just what we've been talking about, it's, it's, it's getting our listeners to challenge themselves to raise raise this in their workplaces isn't it so even if they're not feeling it even if you know they're not even a leader in the organization what's what's stopping them from from challenging it and saying what we're we doing to support our colleagues we've we've listened to this podcast and 42 percent people are struggling you know mm -hmm. what what resources have we got in place have we got any employee resource groups and if not if you feel passionate about this topic then have that conversation and challenge your workplace to raise this level of consciousness around emotional resilience or have an informal table in the lunchroom if you're in person and gather people around and say, let's have a conversation. Do it informally and see the feedback you get. Because what's amazing is I've witnessed this, the power of community coming together and driving the change within a company can also be powerful. So if you have enough interest, then you have support of employees and you can go to your HR leader and say, there's about 20 of us who've been affected by mental health and we'd like to see if there's a way we can create an employee resource group to help other people in the company as well. Who's going to say no to that? 
employees taking ownership and supporting one another and like you say you know the, they're the biggest asset aren't they to a company employees so why wouldn't you right. why wouldn't you empower them to uh, be the best that they can be right exactly wow 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 so much coming out of this podcast already so tips and tools for individuals on sleep and gratitude and caring checking in on each other and then taking that to a whole new level in their organization I know, Michelle, obviously you work with individuals and organizations, and I believe you've got some free webinars coming up. I do. I do. And um, do you want to share a little bit about what's included in those webinars? Sure. And that's a leader's workshop. I, I really believe that we need to empower um, our leaders with how to have those conversations if they sense an employee might be struggling. It's in direct response to my existing clients saying, we love the resilience you're teaching our employees, but there's so much trepidation when you're a people leader of boundaries and not wanting to overstep. So how do we get them comfortable and confident and engaging in those kinds of conversations so that their employees feel supported and not taken back by the inquiry? So my goal with that workshop is really to just boost confidence and give them strategies on how to how do we go about creating more trust and a psychologically safe work environment to help employees um, feel good and, and know what's available in terms of support. Because the reality is so many employers already provide amazing support, but employees have trepidation around reaching out and getting that support. So let's try to make that more accessible and comfortable in, in reaching out for support. And then my other resilience workshops um, are open to employees. And I am, I'm always looking to talk to leaders that really want to show a little more care for their people. And to find out about that, you will go to that website, careforyourpeople.com. Amazing. The best way to follow me is through Instagram or LinkedIn. And on Instagram, you can find me at Michelle Dickinson 71. And on LinkedIn, Michelle E. Dickinson, um, I'll be posting the information there or even on my business LinkedIn page, which is Trifecta Mental Health. I think it'll be a wonderful webinar that lots of people will get lots of information out of that. So thank you for caring and sharing with everybody. Cool. Oh, Michelle, is there anything you would like to leave with our listeners today? You know, it's really okay to not be okay. We've said this numerous times throughout this conversation, but I really want people to get that if your joy feels compromised, it is okay to reach out for support. It really is. You deserve the joy that you know is possible. So don't rob yourself of that by thinking that you can power through it. Reach out, get support. It's really okay to not be okay and return to the person that you know you can be. What a wonderful piece of advice. Amazing way to wrap up the podcast. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. Oh, Michelle, it's been a pleasure. And I think this this is a really needed topic to be talked about right now. You know, 42% is huge. And, you know, the world's been through a lot recently. And people continue to go through life. Life happens, doesn't it? Whether, you know, we've been through what we've been through, you know, as a whole world in the last, you know, couple of years or whether it's just life happening to us. And it's really important to know that all the tips and tools and advice you've shared today, it's still relevant long-term. You know, if, if you're, you feel like you're struggling and you think everybody else is okay, that's okay too, isn't it? And it is. nine times out of 10, not everybody else isn't okay. We're just comparing what we feel internally to what we see on their external world. Right. Right, exactly. Oh, thank you so much for, for being with us today, Michelle. You know, you're a wealth of knowledge. And um, if any of our listeners want to reach out to you, obviously you've shared your social media. 
but also they can go to careforyourpeople.com or breakingintomylife.com and order your book, yeah. which is wonderful. And what an amazing achievement. And uh, great to share with people. Um, yeah, a book. How fantastic. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm your host, Lisa Victoria. Until next time, take care.